Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi everybody, it's Russ from My Hammers 11. I hope you're all safe and well. If you're new to the channel, please consider subscribing, hitting the bell notification so you know as soon as we put new videos up. We have obviously interviews going up daily, but we have sometimes two, three times a day and every story, every memory, every interview is amazing. So don't want you to miss any content. So make sure you're notified as soon as you put stuff on. Um, today's guest is, is uh, well, he played 175 times for the club across the eight-year period. He was a, he came through the Youth Academy. Um, for those of you who watched the Tony Carr interview the other day, he was in Tony's first batch of kids as well, uh, which we'll talk about in a minute. Uh, it's Paul Brush. Hi, Paul. How you doing, man? Hi, I'm fine, thank you. How's, uh, I know everyone says it, but how's lockdown treating you? I hate that question, but everyone wants to know. I've learned to, I learned to do gardening. <laughs> Not bad. Um, the vegetables haven't really grown that much, but the uh, plants have. Alvin Martin told me that makes you old if you do gardening, but um, I'm better at that than uh, DIY. Yeah. Um, it's just, uh, yeah, it seems a lot longer than three months. Um, and may, maybe with some sport to watch now, it's the start uh, mm. of uh, things getting a little bit better. But um, yeah, a long time not to see. I've got three grandchildren, four, three, and one. And the last couple of weekends have been so much better than the previous 10. Yeah. We've, we've um, uh, had time in the garden and they're kicking a ball around and stuff. And uh, that's that's been uh, really uplifting. But you just imagine from where I was brought up and nearby how difficult for people to get by these last three months mm -hmm. in, to say, the area, Cannitown, Plasto, and areas where I was brought up must uh, so much more difficult than um, walking around with my dog here in Rayleigh. Exactly, exactly. And you're not you're not far from from the seaside either. So you know it's uh, no. so it's not too bad. It's not too bad. I know. I know. I mean, I'm I moved. Um, we moved my mother-in-law into my house <laughs> about three months ago, and so uh, she only lives down the road anyway. But we moved her in, and uh, yeah, she's been a godsend because uh, you know obviously got to work and stuff and. And, uh, and and homeschool as well, which is like, you know, God, you know, new, new appreciation for, for teachers, that's sure. But you're right, football is coming. It's coming back, and I can't wait. I've got to cool. go there uh, over the week. I've got to go there on Friday for a test day um, to make sure all the speakers work and everything because nothing's been played in the London Stadium for Sure, yeah. So we've got to make sure it all works. Um, and so we'll see what happens. But uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a bit like the World Cup, isn't it? It's going to be loads of games happening all the time. It's going to be really exciting. And, Just uh, looking at, uh, yeah, um, and more than one game in one day and different times and different divisions. Um, uh, so, uh, yeah, pleased to, to know that that's back and... Um, a little bit of a forerunner, sort of watched a bit of golf at the weekend off yeah. the TV and stuff. And uh, so it, it'll be good to get uh, something started. But yeah. it, it's just, you know, to say strange times, right mm -hmm. down to the fact this is my month off, as it were. Yeah. And I should be in Portugal. And <laughs> when it's a nice day here, you can make out. 
you can make out. Yeah, I put the I put the paddling board at the back. The Costa del Costa del Gidea Park, the Costa del Orange Church. Yeah, but uh, no, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I was I was interviewing um uh, I was interviewing Macca the other day, and he was going to be in Cyprus instead of talking to me, but. Uh, he was still playing his golf and stuff, so he's all right. I know it's funny, isn't it? You see the sports, how they're trying to do it. Like, um, horse race is not too bad. I've seen that on telly. Snooker's all right. Um, and obviously the golf. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be weird, I think, um, getting the Premier League back. But we'll and see. then when I'm listening to about, you know, and they're saying, oh, you can have a crowd noise and you can do this and that. And it's like, it's different. It's different. Yeah. So it was a big reminder the other week about... Um, the uh, ghost game in 1980 at Hudson Park in the Cup Winners' Cup. Yes. Um, just uh, that, that's um, very strong in the memory being there on a whatever September evening and there was 200 people in the ground and you could hear, you could hear noises from the press box. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, uh, found the programme a few weeks ago and uh, yeah, that, that was obviously like a forerunner. I was saying to my son, this is what, you know, we had a forerunner of whatever yeah. 40 years later is what everybody's going to be doing. Yeah. Crazy. The dog's getting fed. So. I know, well, the dog's happy. And at least, at least the dog gets a lot of walking. That's one thing, isn't it? Dogs, like my, my dog just like looks at me now in the morning. He's like, I've had enough no, of you. He's, you, he's, quiet, you he's quiet unless he's got a chance of food. Oh, bless he you. barks until it's right in front of him. Oh, funny. But I mean, yeah, it's, I mean, it's uh, it's one of those things, isn't it? As it? You were right. You were you were the forerunners of of the of the close close the ghost game, and uh, and, and and you played long time ago. You played um, reserve games. You come back from yeah. injury, or you weren't in the team, yeah. and there was one sub or two subs or whatever. You played midweek, and yeah. you played at main grounds most of the time, mm. and they were virtually empty. Yeah. So you you. You know, you you got more used to that now. And I look at a lot of reserve games. They play a few, um, but a lot of them are played at like West Ham playing at Dagnam and yeah. Tottenham playing at Stevenage and and Arsenal playing at Boreham Wood. Mm. Um, um, but to play in your own surroundings, that advantage, that home advantage, um, is very different. But yeah. Uh, yeah, you used to play those sort of games then, and now it's not not a thing that. No. Uh, one no, of the not. changes in football is that players don't don't think they need to play games to get fit, which um, I'm sure people of my era still find difficult to get ahead round. Yeah. To get in a rhythm, to get in a rhythm, you need to play matches, sure. um, whatever level it is. Mm. But so if players are not in the team, they'd rather train and be treated the same as the starters. Yeah. Um, and that, that's definitely the, the way of most clubs now. Yeah, no, I know. I know you mean. We do play, yeah, we play three or four games of the under-23s at London Stadium. And you're right, it's about 200. So I'm used to having a crowd of 200, but there'll be no one in the crowd. It's like, you know, yeah. there'll be no one. They, they're covering all the seats, all the lower tier seats. Um, that's one thing I don't like about the Bundesliga is you watch it and because you can see empty seats and there's a bit something a bit weird about that isn't it so yeah they're trying to cover that up. i think the premier, every premier league club's doing that as well um like covering up the bottom tier so it's not so it's not so obvious but everyone knows but you know what i mean and uh, yeah you said the pipe there the, the crowd noise being piped in and uh, on the broadcasters and uh, no it's going to be interesting it's going to be interesting i think i think on the west ham's front i think we'll do all right actually have a bit you know not the, the pressure of being you know, in a relegation battle, you haven't got the fans on your back, so to speak, if things don't work. And who knows? Who knows? And, but, you know, home advice means bugger all. We know that now. Um, looking at that Bundesliga, again, you know, the home wins is something like 25%, I think, of all games is a home win now, which is ridiculous when you see. So um, it's going to be interesting. Stuff's going to be thrown up. There's been more teams dragged into that that relegation. Oh, bless him! Um, and so I think it's going to be good fun. He said he's like, uh, look <laughs> Harry, do you want to be in this? Harry, who would you pick in goal? <laughs> look at his face. Harry, what do you want to do? Right. Do you mind? Do you Harry. Go over there. Yeah, no, <laughs> Harry, come on. It's brilliant. I'm doing a new. I'm going to do a new segment called uh, "Players and Their Dogs." We had Frank's dog. He's got some massive Doberman who's like literally his height when he walked in. It was mental. Absolutely mental. I love so, it. Yeah, I, I can rest this. I can rest this cover on the back of him, and he's much more happy doing that. Than... <laughs> 
actually me getting to move him. I love it. Right, I'm glad we're not doing the photo now. Nah, that'd be silly. It's all fun games, all fun and games. So, so, so obviously, you know, you, you came from the, you know, as you said, where you, where you came from, you came from around the area. Was West Ham always your club from, from a young age? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, from, uh, I went when I was six. Um, my uncle took me because my dad wasn't sure. But then we, within a few months, um, he was taking me. Uh, um, so my dad was a West Ham supporter. He went to Cutman's Cup, 65 and that. Um, so he was, uh, him and all his mates were, were, were mad supporters. They went to um, Plasto Grammar. Yeah. So, you know, whatever. What's that? Mile and a half, two miles oh, from the no, ground yeah, at the yeah, most. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they... They played when I was younger on Saturdays, um, but if they weren't playing, you know, I would go. And then, as it got a few years down the line, um, my dad used to take me to the home games. We didn't really go to away games. We used to go to home games um, and walk there from Canning Town with a wooden fishing stool that folded up that um, I carried. So you used to walk from Plasto, Sewer Bank, Greengate, down and go in the South Bank yeah. and be up against the wall in the corner of the West Stand. Um, and so I had the wall protecting on my shoulder and you were halfway up, um, which was great other than you couldn't see the bottom half of the goal at the South Bank. <laughs> so um, I was there when Brian Deere scored his five goals in whatever it was, 15 yeah, yeah, yeah. minutes or whatever. I never saw any of them <laughs> hit the back of the net. I could see him swing his leg, but from that angle and from where I was, I didn't, um, yeah. I didn't see it. And then, um, you know, when I was 14 or 15 and training at uh, uh, Upton Park and Chubble Heath and, and that, then, you know, you got a couple of tickets and, you ended up in the stands. Um, we did have a while in um, um, just behind the dugout, and that seemed so low down. Obviously, your head was at pitch height. Yeah. I can remember being a kid there. I can remember being there the day Paul Reaney broke his leg for Leeds, and just that strange noise mm. um, yeah. of knowing something happened, but not quite. You're a little kid, and you don't really know what that was. Yeah. Um, uh, so... Yeah, my, my uh, uncle took me to the first game, which I believe was an FA Cup tie in the 64-65 season when West Ham won the Cup. And yeah. then from then onwards, um, yeah, it was um, all I really wanted to do from a very young age was to play. And, um, uh, and, and then from before I would have been eight or nine, I, I stopped... Sort of, uh, I, I watched Bobby Moore and I watched West Ham. I yeah. didn't watch West Ham and I watched Bobby Moore. It was the other way around yeah, if he yeah. was playing. Um, and um, so I was so um, uplifted the Sunday before last just to see the, the World Cup final again. Of course, yeah. and just see how fantastic he played. And um, uh, that, that, you know, I've, I've read books and different things and I was lucky enough to meet him. But, um, yeah, just watching him and but all the books always said about the bigger the game, the better he played. Mm. And um, just watching the cup final uh, and seeing how well he did. But just silly mannerisms. Um, when he walked out of the tunnel at Upton Park, he, had, he didn't carry the ball in his hand. He carried it in his, between his forearm and his hip. Yeah. So when you watch him coming down the tunnel and all those things. And there's pictures of me doing that for Newham. And I played oh, really? for Hume when I was nine, ten with Alan Kirbysley. And like, if I, I was captain and there's pictures of me walking out of these black and white photos with the ball stuck between my forearm yeah, and my hip. Um, and um, yeah, things like um, his, his lack of um, celebration after a goal, concentrating on the next thing. And yeah. uh, so there's very few, when I did play, very, very few times anyone's ever seen me in a celebratory. Um, I was, I was as many times me celebrating as Pikey wasn't. Um, 
It's just one of those things. I thought, oh, right now, I've got to concentrate. We're winning now. We've got to... But my dad was a pessimist, and uh, we used to go to West Ham, and um, he used to get his Percy Dalton peanuts, and I used to be standing with him. And if West Ham scored really early, he used to go, oh, no, we've got 85 minutes to hold out. <laughs> It, was, um, it took me a long time to not be uh, like him. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. There doesn't matter what age group it is. I yeah. happened to me. I remember my first game was like early nineties, and, and West Ham conceded after about thirty seconds. And my my granddad, God soul, turned to me and went, "That's it. Get used to it. You've got a lifetime." <laughs> and I didn't believe him, but I, you know, obviously I do now. But uh, oh, how funny! How funny! And obviously, as you said, you know, you and you and Curbs, obviously, you know, you. You started training with the club, and obviously we know that from from Tony's interview that you were his first batch, really, his first yeah. academy recruits. Or no, so, so. we were we were playing um, popular for pop for popular boys under sixteen. Yeah, we went out to from um, we played for Newham when we were. It was the first year of East Ham and West Ham becoming Newham. Yeah, and so um, um, so I lived in Canning Town and Curb lived just behind near a slightly near West Ham station. So we bumped into each other when we were like six or seven, but we were, it was under 11s and we were probably only eight, I think, um, when we first um, went to the trials and um, we, like, we did all right, but we weren't the best player. The best player was this black lad called Ozzy Tutu, who um, unfortunately went off the rails a little bit and didn't have parental backing when he was 16, when he went to Orient. Um, But for uh, between nine and 13, 14, he was, um, he was an outstanding forward. And then because we had a decent side around us, we were London Essex champions quite a lot. And so when we were 11, 11, Chelsea uh, came around to curb and then to my parents um, about going training with them and um, my parents didn't drive and um, so my dad said like there's no way you can get over there unless it was no. school holidays mm. and, uh, and whether it wasn't a question that you asked um, but fortunate, fortunately within a couple of days Wallace and Pierre came around from West Ham so um, another one of those legendary figures if you're a historian because you you know you knew that from um, Bobby Moore and all the, those other players then, but also the players that came from around the corner to where we live, because John and Clive Charles live around the corner as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that um, So Wallace and Pierre came round, and that was the first uh, incident of uh, Paul, go, go upstairs or go somewhere. And so they had a chat with my parents, and I wasn't in there. So that was, that was at 11, and I didn't know. And then that carried on. And then when I was 16 um, and Upton Park and Ron Greenwood took my parents in to offer a friendship, I'd, I wasn't allowed in that meeting either. <laughs> so you found out things secondhand. The modern way of uh, being involved in everything it was, yeah. uh, wasn't there. But we, tra- we got asked to go training. And uh, the first training session that we could go to was at Pretoria School which was what their annex I used to kick a ball against was about 30 yards away from me. So the annex was a few hundred yards and probably hundred yards more for curbs. And we went, Jeff Pike was there, was a year older than us. And that, and we were the youngest then far different from the ridiculous young age. Yeah, some sure. people are there now. So we were 11 and then you had this um, sports hall. They had a modern sports hall at, Victoria that had become Eastleigh, I think, or was about to become Eastleigh. And then we trained at uh, Upton Park on the following Tuesday, under the stands, you know, up against the open toilets, kicking ball against the wall. Um, and then you played a ridiculous game on the forecourt of about 25 a side with about five different age groups or something. Something so different. And then you went to Chapel Heath in, in the holidays for games. Um, and you know those type of things you were doing you're doing off your own back two or three yeah. buses or whatever um and so you know when when you were there in the holidays Table Leaf wasn't that big and you could see you could see where the seniors were but you didn't you, know, you, you hadn't really 
um, trained with anybody like that when you was, uh, was a school kid. But you were doing, um, between representing Newham and Essex, Essex was all right because uh, Glenn Hoddle was in the team and we had, we had a few decent players. Um, and then Curbs, I got injured, under 16, under 15, uh, English School Shield. Because we should have won that. We, our team was good enough. Um, but we all had a bad time that day. And we lost at Clapton. We played at Clapton and lost. But Curbs got in the England team. And I went and watched him play as a schoolboy. And then we joined together, um, whatever, 74. And, and you went from being a supporter and a youngster where everything, would you like any tickets? How are you? How's your parents? Yeah. to apprentices doing jobs and we we went before we started that summer and said oh we've come in to make to see about our training kit or see you know and we're thinking well we we surely we can sort of half choose what fits us and you just got well that's number 33 and that's number 37 choose one each and one size fits all and you know um it was different and you trained at Chapel Heath and you went there on the minibus and you came back and did your jobs and you realised that players trained the following day in the same gear that they'd played in. You just hung it up in the dryers and let's come back and fold it up. And then you used to go around Cassataris and remember that, hey, Bobby Moore used to sit upstairs with an old Campwell and other people and that, yeah. that had a little... Uh, that had a ring to it to say you were going around to Casataris, you know, and um, then um, and we got given a luncheon voucher, which was twenty twenty five p in nineteen seventy four, six pound a week and two pound for your parents, and uh, yeah, twenty five p a day, and over the period of being an apprentice, if anyone ever got hold of the luncheon voucher, um. They were they were like serrated tickets almost. Yeah, yeah. Um, then sometimes you went around Castataris with two, and boy, boy, you could have some food for fifty p in them days. And we tried some concoctions, and yeah, we <laughs> had some desserts mixed in, and these huge bowls of desserts every now and then. Um, but uh, that was uh, yeah, you did your chores and you trained. Yeah. Um, but it. And also from the the school's football, how many? From the Newham team, I think three others got apprentices at West Ham. Two, three got Orient, one got Chelsea, uh, one got Coventry, we're in the top division. Two got Coventry. Mm -hmm. So it was also a reminder that we should have been English school's champions yeah, yeah, with that quality of players yeah. that we had. Um, but yeah, a lot of players um, uh, got a start, if yeah. you like, um, and um, unfortunately, a lot of them finished early. And and the boy that I was most friendly with at school, who's in my school, a boy called Lewis Murphy, who lived um, quite close to the Green Gate, so um, he he was a really good defender. In the summer before we started, um, there was a long gap. Be different this year. Um, we went to Beckton where there was uh, five side pitches, yeah. try and play some football. And we didn't know and did um, sprayed the uh, grass with some insecticide sort of stuff, whatever. He did a slide tackle and eventually his um, knee got infected. So we start whenever it was almost July, August, mm. and he can't start. And he missed the first five weeks and he didn't really then be totally different now with the match staff. Mm. He didn't do anything and then joined in after five weeks and twisted his knee first day. That oh, knee that had, um, and he did it once more and he never played. Um, and that, that was a reminder as a kid that, you know, um, Sometimes it goes for you, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you get opportunities, sometimes mm. it doesn't. Things are going well and then you can pick up an injury. Um, sometimes the results matter more than how you play. 
whether you stay in the team or not. But mm. that was a big reminder to me, and um, that you know you, you can you can have all the dedication and um, determination, but if you can't, if if you can't, you can't. Yeah. Um, yeah. And um, yeah, so that that was. Um, we joined in '74, and um, then as West Ham were having the cup success in '75, mm. then the youth team were, and you know we made the youth cup final in the first mm. year. But when I joined, there was um, about eight apprentices from the year before, including Jeff Pike, um, and there was it wasn't about you didn't get taken on because you was at a position you got took on because they thought you was, could be a footballer yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, always a reminder through my coaching career um is referring back to myself um at different times in my career when circumstances opportunities um positionally not to put people in a box Mm-hmm. too much um so there was 16 players and there was seven or eight midfield players out of the 16 so it was lopsided if you wanted to look at people's natural positions yeah and so then we all got um to to get in the team you you sort of and all you got moved around and um i ended up uh playing up front in the youth team and scoring and staying there for 18 months. Oh, wow. Um, so that was different. Um, and I felt like I was a chaser rather than a creative forward. Yeah, yeah. But um, it, it went all right. And the, the Youth Cup run got us into the finals. And the um, Southern Junior, we did a remarkable 4-1 victory over Chelsea in a second leg at Upton Park. Um, to, to to have a couple of big games in that, and um, it was only the final where we were poor and Ipswich were very good. Yeah. Uh, we got smashed over two legs, um, but that that was the start of playing. But I, I'm not playing in my best position. Yeah, but you, you're playing, yes. so it, I, I didn't really have negativity about it. Um, but um, the following season, my last when I'm an older apprentice at 17, um, you realise, um, right, if I'm ever going to play midfield, I've got to play now. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think Curves had probably moved up to playing the, the next level around that time. Um, and so in uh, October um, 75, um, I played in the youth team at QPR in the morning in midfield. And um, someone told me the other week that I scored or whatever. But, um, and in that afternoon, the reserves were playing as well. So that was a normal Saturday for a reserve team yeah. to play. But um, I was sub for the reserves in the afternoon at Crystal Palace. <laughs> so I got driven from QPR to oh, Crystal Palace at lunchtime. And I'm sub for the, the reserves. After uh, half an hour, the left-back, John Dumphy, who's, whatever, 19, um, he gets injured. So they're looking at me, well, you better go on. And I'm thinking, shit, I played this morning. And I've been in the car and whatever. And um, so, well, you're left-footed. Just go and play left-back. It's just in front of us in the dugout. We'll help you. Yeah. So I played there till half time. They went, You're all right. Bill Lansdowne was in charge. I've got a lot to thank Bill Lansdowne for. Sure. He really he really did a lot. He, he really pushed me and he probably yeah. He he really um maneuvered older players out of my way over a two year period to yeah. give me the experience of playing. Uh where he could have just played me anywhere on the pitch. Because yeah, yeah, reserve yeah. was very much a group of players. Now there'll be a, that'll be a team when you get there in the dressing room. Mm. Um, so I played in the second half and it went all right. And I thought, well, I quite like the ball coming, the game being in front of me rather than with my back to the game, which I'd had a plan up front really. Yeah, of so that was a Saturday. On the Monday, 
Um, the team goes up for a reserve game away at Plymouth on the Tuesday. Um, so, the, so the game was on the Wednesday. You travelled on to it. an overnight sleeper. Never knew anything about them sort of thing. <laughs> Billy, and Billy Bonds is coming back from injury. And I never, you know, I'm a kid, quiet kid and I never really spoke to Bill, you know. Yeah. And I ended up playing next to him. I'm thinking, oh, you know, wow. I used to be on the terraces watching and now yeah. I'm playing next to him. Uh, that was my debut um, in October 75 playing um, as a defender. And then gradually Bill Lansdowne gave me games ahead of people like Alan Wooler, who were young professionals, um, to, to get me more experience. Um, so so I've got a lot to be thankful for. But just on that, the modern... Uh, way of football with sports science and worry about how many minutes you played and whatever. I mm. say I played and gone and then I played another hour. And in a way, I was used to it because you used to play Saturday morning for your school or the district yeah, and then sure. go and play on a Sunday. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so, you know, under 16 and I'm playing with Curb with popular boys under Tony Carr before... Um, proper centres of excellence started up. So we played together on a Sunday to get together as, as young players that trained at West Ham. Um, yeah, we'd play a Sunday morning, but we'd all played on Saturday. Um, and no one really thought anything more of that, yeah. even if you had a school game on the Monday or the Tuesday. But nowadays, this thing of, you know, can't play two games in three days, stuff like that, is, um, yeah, it's it's modern thought, but you, you, didn't, you didn't have that... Um, you didn't have that type of thing going on back no. then. No, not at all. And 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 obviously all that all that grafting, all that all those reserves as youth team and going through, and got, you know, you end up playing you know, 175 game first team games for the club. That's an amazing. 185. 185. Oh, sorry, <laughs> get me right. I'm very protective. No, no, I, no, definitely 185. We, My we used to uh, we used to have uh, um, Wikipedia used to have something about 153. 153 yeah. was league games. League games, but yeah, they always have league games. I, I, I know I should have played more, so I say that with um, a bit of meaning because you know I, I played a lot. I played a lot of games. Uh, I played more games before I was 22 or 23 sure. than I did between I was 23 and 27. Yeah. Um, so I know I should have played more, but um, yeah, in those days of. The number of times um, I was sub when there was one or two subs and didn't get on, yeah. I could probably hold the record for not going on rather than, <laughs> than actually that would have got your appearances over 200, which, you know, in, in a way when you, you know, you, when uh, you, you see people, whether, you know, unsung people, if you like, like Steve Potts playing hundreds of games or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was, sit- I was sitting there yesterday and I was going to speak to you thinking, if I added up Palace 81 games, Southend, uh, Palace was 51, sorry, Southend was 81. I played two years at Enfield when they were a top non-league club. Um, and then I played at Chelmsford and I played at Haybridge and I played at, and um, yeah, I think I might have got close to 500, but yeah. I wish it had been a, I wish it had been more at, um, more at West Ham, but yeah. perhaps that makes particular games better memories. Um, yeah. uh, I don't, I don't know, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm sort of protective of definitely um, when when someone says, "Oh, you didn't play," because uh, um, I, I I felt for lots of different reasons um, I could have played more, and some of that was injury, yeah. some of that was non-selection, some of that the team kept winning <laughs> the year. Got promoted back to the Premiership in '82. Uh, yeah, um, was um, I played at uh, no '81 wasn't it? I played yeah. at the start. Uh, I played at the start, and um, then I got rested for a League Cup tie away at Burnley, mm. and the team won five 0 and the team stayed the same. <laughs> and it was like you're rested, but I didn't get back in. Yeah, and I didn't. I didn't play much before Christmas there, um, and so as I say, I always feel that sometimes it's circumstances. It's not. 
you weren't playing well enough or someone else might have been or a combination of things. Mm. Um, But um, yeah, there there were, there were times then. And as I say, when there's one or two subs and then if you, if you don't get on, um, you don't, you want to be starting, not sub. And then when you're sub, you want, you want, there's just a nice feeling to tick a box that says an appearance. I, yeah, I get appearance, that. Appearance counts, you know. Yeah. Um, and then what I do now, um, so I, I work at Tottenham looking after the loan players. Yeah. Um, we have conversations about um, just playing. Your CV says you played 25 games in League Two this year. It don't say how many minutes you played. Yeah. You can work. You can find it out if you want to. If someone's that might keen to, but your experience of playing, being an adult dressing room, being in a different environment, looking at people that their 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 bonus pays their mortgage. Yeah. And you're a young kid that's privileged and been training at a, a fantastic training base for eight or nine years. You're in the real world. Yeah. Um, there's a big thing about playing. Uh, to me, as I say, a lot a lot of the things. Um, that you try and pass on um, are are those type of thing where um, your experiences, good and bad, help you to empathise and try and get something out of a youngster who's got a lot a lot of time to be sitting there thinking. Yeah, and his thinking time on loan is do I. Do I really want to be at this club? Am I not wanted by my parent club? What's going to happen at the end of the season? Or whether a manager changes while they're out on loan? Um, those type of things where you've, you've had some experience of that. Yes. But the key thing is to say, hey, at the end of it, your CV says games. If you played games, someone's more interested in you for your next move or your next step than if you haven't played. If you go there and someone says he's a great lad and he never got on the pitch, then someone's going to be sceptical. But if you've played, um, you've got a starter and you, you know, I just want kids to um, have a career. Yeah. So if they can have a career at last 15 years, I don't get, um, I've said this often at the West Ham dinners and Tony Gale says, oh, he's working at Tottenham. I've got two answers to that. One, four times I've tried to get a job at West Ham and not <laughs> got one. And second is I want to see boys reach their potential and have a chance of a football career. Yeah, we got and I'm, I just want them to see, to go and play, if you can go and play football for 15 years, then there's nothing better. Yeah. No, I get that, and and it must be for you. You know, you must when you when you're seeing those those boys and the, and the, you know whether they end up playing for Tottenham or if they go to play for their the club they loan you know full time at the other clubs. Professionally, it must have a lot of pride. You take a lot of pride in that. Yeah, yeah, and and when you get sometimes um, the the boys that mainly I look after, um, I were coaching them when they were fourteen or fifteen. Yeah. yeah. So for the last. Eight years I've been at Tottenham. The last four years I've been doing this job with the with the loans. But I I sort of know them, and then you're speaking to them on their own during the week. Mm. You're not in the. They haven't got our answer. Yeah, because they think that's the right answer that I want to hear. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so you see them play. You go and watch them training, and you speak to them, and and um, you can have a depth with them. And as long as you've got their trust and they know that you want the best for them, then to see them successful. Um, Ryan Fredericks, I looked after when he was uh, on loan at Middlesbrough, when he started off his uh, yeah. league career, as it were. Um, and Ryan was another one of those. He was a winger when I first went to Tottenham, when Tim Sherwood and um, when Harry was still manager and, yeah. and uh, Les Ferdinand and um, Tim Sherwood and Chris Ramsey were in charge of the 23s and they got for some reason they got a lot of players that got through it right back Smith at Bournemouth uh, Nathan Byrne at Wigan yeah. and um, Ryan Fredericks and 
there's probably another one but just uh yeah so you get to know them um and as safe you want them to be successful but yeah. just the association goes back a long while when i first started coaching um pat holland got me to go to orient as youth team coach because pat was manager then pat yeah. lost i gave up a, a really good job at a private school with 13 weeks holiday and um <laughs> double double uh one and a half pay doing school holiday courses how i wanted to do them yeah. and i gave that up for a lot less money to go to orient and then within a couple of months pat lost his job, lost his job and then yeah. tommy taylor took over so there was another link yeah. that sort of um uh came in there but while i was still youth team coach and i lived in Gideon park i used to pick up richard garcia from michael carrick's house down the road at romford and take him into orient when gas was on loan now yeah. so i the the loan and knowing a bit about it went from like 20 odd years ago and and myself i'd gone on loan from west ham in 85 to palace yeah um and that came at a good time for me um and also the loan from palace to south end um a couple of years later because mm. i had three not good injuries at palace in three seasons um achilles thigh and um knee and um while I was out the third time, they bought another fullback, and it was like, I've got to get out of here. Where could yeah. I go? Um, but um, yeah, that, the, the loan situation was uh, uh, something I knew a bit about, or, mm. and I've, I've seen players. And um, right down to um, when I was watching games for Reading um, in a scouting capacity when I wasn't full time anywhere, I saw Harry Kane play for. Um, Leighton Orient yeah. and um, you know, at certain players at other places and you look at them and think oh they've got something or that one's yeah. got something I want um, and I, I got a belief in experience and playing um, and this season this long season seeing Dean Garner play for West Brom yeah, thinking yeah. hey he's good I didn't even know where he was from yeah, but yeah. you think hold on a minute let's look him up hold on a minute this boy's got a chance if you get this game time to help you make the right decisions. Sure. In a way, you're letting people make their mistakes before they I get, get to their penalty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get you. I get you. And that, and obviously, you know, in back going back to the, the West Ham days, you know, as I said, lot lot of games, lot of lot of players. You know, we're not we're not going to do an eleven today. Because because there's lots of players that that Paul doesn't want to miss out as well because I think yeah these comparisons Paul's got quite a big repertoire potentially you know obviously you know as you said I've, it got, is, I've got a shirt I've got a, sh- a West Ham shirt and a away shirt light blue shirt with signatures of people that I played with yeah and there's about fifty names on it wow um, two people ruined it oh not ruined it <laughs> John John Vaughan I got because I used to go back and play charity games and different yep. things. You used to bump into people. and So if you played in a game with them, as long as it was a West Ham game, you wore a West Ham shirt, you know, you could have that. And, I, and uh, yeah, John Vaughan's name's on it twice. And no one has put anything other than their name. And Paul Lynch signed it upside down with best wishes. <laughs> and and um, But when you look at, I've got um, all the 75 Cup final team, all the 1980 Cup final team, uh, Martin Peters, and yeah, some others that um, that I'd played with, and that. So uh, yeah. yeah, to 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 make comparisons with uh, different no, players, different areas, I'm not very good at. No, um, and you know, it was just uh, it was just a privilege with to play with some of them. I mean, mm. I. You know, I can say I played with Bobby Moore because I played 45 minutes in a charity game with him. There you go. How many and, people can say that? You know what I mean? It's like... Uh, yeah. And I played with Martin Peters at Perfleet in a charity game. And, you know, so um, those those things, you know, personal and special in that way. And some of those players then, and some players that, as I say, the, the, the players that 
go on to do well that you might have had a link with mm. and then the players that you just knew were top people like Pop Robson. Mm. So when I thought, if, if you're ever going to write, put a team back, I don't know in modern formations what was Pop. You know, he was a, <laughs> he was a second striker. He was this, that. He was a hell of a good player and a good finisher. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he, he was one of the first ones I thought of when, um, you know, I th- um, you mentioned about doing a team. And I thought, well, how do you compare him to, does he play with Jeff first? Or I can remember Johnny Byrne playing for a little while when I was a little young kid and how skillful he was. Yeah. Um, and it, and um, it's very, um, it's great that over a period of time, West Ham have had those type of players. But, yeah. you know, when I, when I was a kid, the West Ham supporters were almost happy to go home entertained. Yeah. So if Trevor Brookin and Alan Devonshire and people like that, they they could lift people. And that became almost as important as the result. I think okay. as crowds got bigger and the, the, the financial success of doing better, um, that, that's made that um, right down to the point now where I often think if a team wins... Everyone goes home thinking they played. That supporters go home thinking they played well. Mm. No, I get that. Um, I get there, that. There used to be that expected to entertain thing that was about West Ham, mm. um, and perhaps you know, like a mod, lot of modern things that went. The first year I played, um, seventy-seven, seventy-eight, and I managed to get in the team at the start of the season because there was a load of injuries you know football so much about fortune and whatever yeah, of course. There, there must have been six injuries at the club and they all must have been defenders I think I'd done all right pre-season so I didn't feel core you know it, this is a miracle because I, I'd played in pre-season tournament in Mallorca and so I would played a, a few games but I played and um, you know suddenly you're playing with your heroes yeah of course and you're playing against people that you've known and watched yeah um and so jimmy neighbor played for norwich in the first game i played against him keith weller played in the second game the third game was man city and joe royal played in a few other people um then there was a league cup tie away at knots forest um and uh, peter we've headed a goal and headed me in the back of the net with <laughs> And I thought, I've got to grow up here. I can't just think, oh, those some of these players are their pictures on my bedroom wall. Of course, yeah. Um, you know, and then we won at Newcastle, fifth game. And I watched the highlights of that a couple of weeks ago. Somehow it was on something. And then yeah, I looked yeah. it up on YouTube. And St. James's Park had an open end, one end. And it got windy there. And I think Tommy Cassidy scored from 40 yards from them. And it, it really like it went in like a bullet. But yeah. Pop Robster scored two goals that day, and we won three two. And um, that was a big step to play. Then the next game, I think, was at home to Leeds. We might have, I can remember, I presume Lorimer and people like that were mm. playing, and Joe Jordan elbowed me in the head, and all them <laughs> type of things. And uh, we, I think, we lost one nil, but played well. Yeah. And I remember the crowd clapping us off. Yeah, no, I get that. Yeah, now, yeah, yeah. How, how, how much these days is that? Um, and mm. and a similar thing is I read up on the ghost game of 1980 in the Cup Winners' Cup. Yeah. Um, after the the uh, game with no supporters um, in 1980, so we got through the first round. I came on in that ghost game. As, uh, I'm in the background when David Cross scores. <laughs> Everyone's wondered what I'm doing that far out of the pitch near him. Um, and in the next game, we played away in Romania in a place called Timisoara, and they had an up. They, the that was the area where Romanian uprising came in with communism twenty years later, oh, and then we got bottled and stuff out there. It was weird, and we got through that. And then there was Dynamo Tbilisi. So the first game at Upton Park, and I've never seen a player since probably more like Shavadza, and yeah. uh, the midfield player that I forgot, I was trying to tell my son his name, 
bald-headed guy. Um, he ran the game for midfield. And I was sub, and that's probably the one time I never wanted... I didn't... What am I going to go on and do against these? We ain't got the ball. We were at home. And that was mentioned in a report that I read the other day, and also anybody that was there, that the West Ham crowd stayed and applauded Dynamo Tbilisi off. Wow. And it's still known for that. So they didn't all go home after an hour and worry about the train. Yeah, they were seeing something special. Yeah. And they stayed. And then what probably makes that more special for me was the return leg and you're 4-1 down and we got to go and play in Georgia. So we went uh, and you had to fly to Russia before you flew to Georgia. Okay. And we got to Russia and there was a snowstorm and we got... (laughs) We weren't allowed to go. And they put us in a hotel in the middle of the night for five hours, brought us back to the airport, made us stay there for a while. So the airport was a modern Moscow airport because they'd just built it for the Olympics. And I got stuck in the toilet and I had to keep knocking on the door and a soldier had to come and bash the door down to get me out. But in the stadium, which was really full of soldiers, I suppose, mm, uh, Paul Allen got ill and I... Went from sub to playing five minutes before kickoff. Ah. And as good a game as I've played, and unbelievably against that team, we won 1 0. Yeah. So, as, as regards a single victory, everyone's going to go, you know, I bet the cup semi finals your thing and stuff like that. That game and the satisfaction of playing against a team of that quality. Sure. And uh, I spoke to Ray about, Rich Stewart about it last year. And, um, we swapped shirts out there, but the shirt just is white with a D on it. It don't got no advert. It's got no big club badge. It's just got a D on it. But you <laughs> knew that's a Dynamo of Lisa's shirt. Oh, amazing, amazing! Yeah. So many. I mean, that's the thing. You play with so many, so many amazing players, and there seems to be. And you and you're probably really good to to ask this question, Paul. It, I'd say there's in the modern game. You say how the the, the fans, you know, the you know they. It's all about necessary, all about winning the game, and it, you know the money is so big. And it's almost the same with the, the players in that there's no, you know, obviously the we will talk about the 80, 80 FA Cup team, and and obviously you were you were in the squad for that. And there's still as you said, still a togetherness there. As you speak, you spoke to Ray the other you know a couple last year about it. There seems to be that like real camaraderie and real characters. And throughout West Ham until sort of the early nineties, as it was to Ian Bishop and John Monker and people like that. From then on, there doesn't seem to be any sort of like any characters in the game anymore. Do you know what I mean? Sort of, yeah. it's almost like so professional now. Yeah, I mean when when I first started, you know, the characters weren't. Um, just like Bobby Moore and Jeff Hurst and sure. people like that, you know, people like Peter Grotier, who would do be looking to be mischievous or something. There was, yeah. you know, there was a lot, there was a lot of um, outgoing and and just a mixture of hijinks and people just pleased to be there and and seeing each other and. Yeah. Um, Maybe now the seriousness and the level of training takes mm. some of that away. Um, but, you know, the, and, and the different things that you got, situations that you got put in. I mean, we used to do pre-season training and running around Hainault yeah. and, and stuff. And I, and I wasn't any good at, I was a sprinter and long distance was not, I couldn't do it very well at all. But there was a difference in training in the woods of Hainault. And then, you know, the, the modern thing of, uh, and you got told, if you get detached off the back, just shout, someone will come and find you. <laughs> Thinking like, do you think you'd do that today with some vote and, on the money or situation? Yeah. Yeah. But there, there was, um, yeah. And the, and the guy that they used to get an athlete from one of the Woodford or somewhere, you saw the green and white. Um, yeah, yeah, Woodford runners. Yes, on. yeah, Woodford yeah. runners. Over and they yeah, used yeah. to, clear off at some stupid pace <laughs> and um you have to decide if you want to start with him a full further back or just start the back because you because that's new where you was going to end up um but that that was you know and then i can remember once um doing running up um towards um around around epping but on the roads and there yeah. was no pavement 
There's lorries going past. No, it's not like round. That. No, they're running up a new road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. We, we were running out here, and I was with, I was close to John Redford. That's how poor a runner I was. Um, and and on one hot day, and we went past someone's front garden, and the guy had a hose pipe, and John Redford just collapsed on his lawn and said, "Soak me," and this guy just like. Soaked him, and he got up to start to run again on the way to Lands End, wasn't it? I think that run was the way. But yeah, there there, there was character, different characters, and it was as I say, it was a different thing. And yeah. you know, when when you say to people, you used to go back to get your tickets uh, up to Park on a Friday, so you drive back from Table Heath, and um, you know, often used to go down East Ham High Street, look in the shops and whatever. And no one took any notice of you or anything like that. Yeah. And, um, you know, that, those things are different. And I suppose we, you know, there was a more, more local um, number yeah. of players and yeah. the crowds always like that. Mm. We went right down to Al, Alvin's lodgings were at the other end of Canyon Town. So Alvin, like when he was 16 to 19, was only like a few hundred yards away from me. Um, but um, yeah, you did, you know, it was... When when I played early eighties, Ray Stewart was a foreigner because he was Scottish. Yeah, yeah you know, yeah. it's so different to to what now is, and and now now is very much more to me. Um, West Ham's a stop on a player's journey on his train, mm. so the train stops every now and then, and he gets off and plays there, and then he gets on and he goes somewhere else, mm. um, and you know the the, the in amongst my programs, when we moved last year and I spent um, intending an hour, but a lot longer than that, looking at stuff. Yeah. yeah. The, the, there used to be loads of testimonial games. Yeah, no, yeah. I was 20 years ago. Because yeah. people stayed 10, 12 years at the same there. place. So that wasn't just like West Ham testimonial games that, you know, Trevor's testimonial, whatever. I played in Barry Dane's testimonial at Tottenham and play at someone at Barney and mm. someone, you know, there's a lot more people yeah. that stayed. Um, it's true. Very true. Very true. I mean, if you and, get, I mean, and that, 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 that got loyalty, it got, you know, there's lots of other things, you know, whether, you know, you, you'd probably think of Trevor's character that he probably would have stayed, but I'm sure, you know, if you, if you look at the, the difference, in what can be paid to players at certain clubs compared yeah. to others, yeah. you know those those situations to set you up for life um, yeah. are there for some players, mm. but the um, you know the, the difference and affinity um, and knowing knowing the club and the club meaning mm. something that's where the 1980 reunions you've seen that even people like Stuart Pearson that didn't stay that long. It's a special time and yeah. place for him when he comes back and talks about yeah. it. So he's not the club, you know, he was only there a couple of seasons, but that 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 was special to them. And just say, you can go into your 90s and then you're on the rarity of Mark Noble and people like that yeah. that um, yeah. have, have been, you know, um, with it since then. You're right, and it's indicative of the game. I mean, you, you know more than anyone. You know, if 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 a manager, if you get a manager for three years, you've done well with the manager, you know, and the players. So yeah. three years out of player, and their their experience, you know, it's like as you said, the testimonial. I, mean, I was when I was interviewing Tony Gale, he said throughout his career, it was he said it was, what was it, ten years or whatever, ten or eleven years, every year was a testimonial. Literally mm. every year was testimonial, and again, it's indicative of the modern game, isn't it? I mean, I can think of Mark Noble's testimonial. I can think of. Winston Company had one. Winston Company had one, if I remember, for Man City. I think Carragher, maybe Gar uh, and Neville, and that's not it. That's it. You know what I mean? It's like a, it's mm. it's it's, and, and I yeah. think I think you're right because there was there was so much loyalty in the mod in the in sort of the the earlier game, we'll say in sort of the eighties and stuff. That's why that sort of friendship cont continues because you were together for ten years, or you know, I mean, yeah. you know, there was. There was half. There was five players like Pikey and that lot. They were they were nineteen eighty, and and then they were also in eighty five, eighty six. You know, and you wouldn't get that in the modern game now. And so, and you're right. Someone like Trevor Brookin, for example, we went down. He stayed three years in the in in essence the championship. That would never happen today. You no. know, as soon as a club goes down, they're, they're off ski. You know, and, and that's what happens. But uh, 
but you know it means we can talk about the memories and so you know so we've got memories to talk back on as you said like and it's been brilliant listening to your stories paul it's been amazing <laughs> thank you Good. thank you so much for your for your time um i appreciate it particularly of harry sniffing around there he's had his lunch yeah it's gone it's gone now he must be looking for some more food well you got to give him another walk so he's probably gonna probably gonna pee it down he's gonna pee it down here so yeah i know i know what you mean i've got to take my dog but she not not as big as harry my dog's about that big she's a teacup yorkshire terrier so um she doesn't too too bad out of it Paul, it's been absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much for your time. Right. I really, no really problem. appreciate it. And obviously, thank you to everyone right. for watching as well. You know, like, share, subscribe. Again, very humble with all the comments that you um, that people have said and how much they enjoy the content. Please keep them coming and suggest other people. Uh, and until next time, for me and Paul, take care, everyone. Yeah. Stay safe and uh, see you all soon. See you later, guys. Bye-bye. Yes, thank you. Sports Social Podcast Network. Ah, spring. Nothing like the world progressing towards summer to inspire your own progress. That's what life's all about in your career, relationships, and your finances. Let's talk about that last one. With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. And if your credit scores grow, so could your opportunities for lower rates on loans, like for a car or home. Sounds like progress, right? With Chime's Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com slash build. That's Chime.com slash build. Chime feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details.